0: Well, good morning, Victory Point. That's right, my name's Matt, and I'm pastor here, and uh, for any of you who are here for the very first time, warm welcome, glad to have you here. I'm just glad people show up on a holiday weekend. I was joking with the band earlier that we might have a bigger band than congregation today, but I'm glad I was wrong on that. It was fun to have uh, Levi joining us on the drums up there, and Katie with the violin, uh, both first-timers with our team, and uh, that's a joy. Um you guys having a good weekend? Yeah, we're getting a lot of rain this week, but it's, it's still a nice day, it's a nice weekend. I had a good weekend, I was up north visiting my parents and my siblings up in Lake City, got back last night, had some good barbecue up at Primo's and uh, it's good to be here. I want to start with a story, okay? Uh, I was... Doing some preparation this week, I I came across this interesting tidbit, this fact, this trivia that I just wanted to share with you this morning. Um, It goes back to December 26, 2004, so the day after Christmas, The year 2004. Some of you may remember this. But that was the day that the third largest earthquake ever recorded by a seismograph erupted 10 miles beneath the Indian Ocean. Do you guys remember this earthquake? 2004, the day after Christmas. It registered 9.1 magnitude on the Richter scale. It generated, get this, the energy equivalent of 23,000 atomic bombs. That was how much energy like exploded underneath the earth. Uh, it, it, uh, and it sent a shock wave that produced tsunami waves measuring over 100 feet high, traveling 500 miles per hour at a radius of 3,000 miles. It was huge. It was powerful. It was devastating. That earthquake tragically claimed the lives of 227,898 people. But there was one people group living right in the path of the tsunami that somehow survived without a single casualty. And this is the fascinating part. They're known as the Moken, the Moken people. And I have a picture of a Moken person fishing. Look at that little, see the shadow of the fish, the silhouette? Like, isn't that a crazy way to fish? This is their life. This is how they fish. Um, they are an, Austri- an Austro-Enesian, there we go, an Austronesian ethnic group. They live off the coast of Thailand and Burma, and uh, they're sometimes known as sea gypsies. Uh, they are people of the sea. They live their lives on the open seas from birth till death. Oftentimes, their boats can be their homes. Their children learn to swim before they can walk. They can see twice as well underwater as we do. And they obviously have an intimacy with the ocean. They have an intimacy with the water. They read ocean waves the way that you and I will read a book. Um, and on that day, on that day on December, 24, or December 26, 2004, on the day that the Indian Ocean earthquake hit, there was an amateur pho- photographer from Bangkok who was among the Mokan people and captured some of their reaction to what happened that day. There was a moment, the photographer says, when the sea began to recede and the Mokan people began to cry because they knew what was coming. That They knew what was about to happen. They noticed that the birds had stopped chirping, that the elephants were heading to higher ground, that the dolphins were swimming farther out to sea. So the Mokan, those who were near the coast of Thailand, they beached to their boats and they headed to the highest elevation that they could find. And those who were out to sea already went further out to sea, to deep ocean, because they knew that's where the tsunami crest would be minimalized as it passed them, or minimized. The Mokan people survived. Why? Because they knew how to look and they knew how to listen. The ocean was speaking to them. The ocean was always speaking to them, and they lived their lives listening and responding to it. In my devotions uh, this summer, I'm just kind of working through the Bible chronologically. I've been in the Old Testament uh, and I'm amazed. I I shouldn't be because I knew this, but I'm, I'm amazed again at how commonplace it was that the Lord was speaking to his people. I mean, there's these phrases that I think we just gloss over, you know, the Lord said, The Lord spoke, God said, God said this to Moses, he said this to Noah, he said this, I mean, it's just almost like we take it for granted, like it was just this common thing where the Lord was speaking all the time, and at least some of his people were listening. And this week I found myself uh, in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1 begins like this, so you have um, this boy Samuel, who was presented to the temple, he was presented to Eli, the, the priest at the temple, um, when he was a boy. His mom um, couldn't have a child, and then she had a child, and she was so grateful for having the gift of this child that once Samuel was weaned, he, she brought Samuel to the temple and presented him to Eli, because Samuel's life would be in service to the Lord. And there's this, there's this cool uh, experience that Samuel has, you know, as he's a young boy now living in the temple with Eli. It said, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. So something's happened where uh, either God has reduced his speaking or the people have stopped listening. I think it's the latter probably. But, uh, but, but here's the situation that, that Samuel finds himself in. And there's this cool story. And, and a lot of you know this story. So Samuel is a young boy serving in the temple under Eli. It says one night, you know, they both went to bed. Samuel's laying down and he hears a voice, right? He hears a voice say, Samuel. So Samuel gets up and he runs to Eli and said, here I am. And Samuel and, and Samuel you know, hears from Eli, Eli says, I didn't call you, go lay down, go back to sleep, Samuel goes, lays down, goes back to sleep, he hears another voice, Samuel, Samuel gets up, goes to Eli, here I am, Eli says, I didn't call you, go back to bed, Samuel goes back to bed, tries to fall asleep, hears a voice again, Samuel, Samuel gets up, runs to Eli, what, I'm here, here I am, And Eli's like, I didn't call you. But Eli finally catches on, like, oh, this is the Lord. The Lord's talking to you. Here's what I want you to do, Samuel. Go back to sleep. And if you hear someone call your name again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So that's what happened. We skip ahead to verse 10. It said, the Lord came. I love that part. The Lord came and stood over Samuel, calling just like he did the other time. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And that phrase just grabbed me this week as as I was reading devotionally. Like just that idea of your ears tingling, you know, when the Lord speaks or when you hear of the Lord speaking or moving. And it just brought this question to mind to me, when was the last time your ears tingled because the Lord was speaking to you, or you heard of the Lord speaking to someone, or you heard of the Lord moving. Like, like when have you? when's the last time our ears tingled with that? And it brought me to this, this big question this week. Like, why isn't that a common experience for us? Is it that the Lord's not speaking, or is it that we're not listening? I believe it's the second. Because in John 10, 27 remember these words of Jesus. He said, he said, he's the good shepherd. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He he gives us this metaphor, this imagery that that Jesus is a shepherd. He's a good shepherd and he leads his sheep by speaking to them. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd and they, they, they live their lives following the voice of the shepherd. Jesus says, I'm speaking. So, so what does it look like to listen? And that's the big question I just want to tackle this morning and then get really practical with, actually. Are we listening? If Jesus is a good shepherd and he's speaking, if, if God's desire as a good father is to speak to his children, um, are his children listening? Are we listening? Or, or is it maybe we're trying to listen, but we don't know how, or we don't know what to listen to? If you hang around Victory Point at all, if this is your home church, um, you know that a, a value in our culture is discipleship. And um, we, we think discipleship can be as simple, though not as easy, as simple as learning to live by these two central questions. What is God saying? What am I going to do about it? Learning to tune into the voice of the Father so intimately that we just live a life of listening to the Father And doing what he says. So you probably get sick of those two questions, the two big questions we use all the time in our missional communities, in our huddles, here on Sunday mornings. You know, we try to always conclude with those two questions. What's God saying to you right now, in this moment, and how are you gonna respond? What are you gonna do about it? But we don't wanna assume that everyone just knows how to listen. So that's what we're gonna we're just gonna talk about that this morning. How does God speak? And how do I know when it's him speaking? How, how do I know? How do I know when it's him? And uh, what do I do in response? So uh, we're going to get really practical. Um, if you have the handout this morning, you're going to want that because uh, I'm going to give you some, some stuff to put on here. Uh, if you don't have one, feel free to wander up and grab one or just you know, find something to write notes on. Okay? So let me, let me pray. Lord, we're just going to pray the prayer that Samuel as a young boy prayed Um, to you. We're going to pray it today. Lord, speak, for your servants are listening. Your children want to hear the voice of the Father this morning. May it be so, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a question. How big are your ears? (laughs) Don't laugh at me, Pam. How big are your ears? You know who has big ears? Rabbits. Elephants too, but I'm in a rabbit mood this morning. Rabbits have big ears. I watched Peter Rabbit this weekend. That is a great movie. Has anyone ever seen Peter Rabbit? You did? I watched it the other day. Yeah, I did too. It was an awesome movie. I love that movie. My mom has watched it eight times now. She's a big Harry po- a Beatrice Potter fan. Um, loves Peter Rabbit. Rabbits can hear really good because they have big ears, okay? You know who has small ears? I do. <laughs> we got to get like special microphones for me and stuff because other ones they flop around because look how tiny these ears are. I have really tiny ears. I just embrace it now. I'm not self-conscious about it anymore. I think it's, it's a good feature. Now, there's this figure of speech that Jesus uses in the New Testament quite frequently, okay? He uses it six times in the Gospels, and actually, you know, God um, uses it in Revelation eight different times. And it's a, it's a familiar phrase. It's, it's often a phrase that Jesus uses when he's concluding a parable or a teaching. For instance, a lot of us are familiar with a parable called the, the parable of the sower, which more accurately is the parable of the soils, Okay, it's really a parable about our hearts. And um, you remember that, that parable where Jesus tells a story about a man goes out to sow seed and some of it falls on the path and some of it falls among the rocks. Some of it falls among the thorns, but then some of it falls on good soil. And the seed that falls on good soil takes root and and becomes fruitful. And it's this amazing harvest. Then at the very end of that teaching, Jesus says this phrase that he says at different times throughout the Gospels. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. You know, we don't say that much, you know, in today's culture. Probably, you know, the equivalent of that sort of phrase today would be, um, you guys know who The Rock is? Like uh, Dwayne Johnson, he's an actor, you know, used to be a wrestler. You know, he's famous for saying, you smell what I'm cooking, right? You smell what I'm cooking? I mean, there's other phrases we probably use, you know, like the tracks, on the tracks that I'm laying down, I don't know all the phrases, but you smell what I'm cooking? That's what Jesus is saying here. Like, "You, you smelling what I'm cooking? You understand what's coming out of my mouth? Whoever has ears, let them hear, it sort of echoes back even to Ezekiel's calling, when when the prophet Ezekiel was called, you know, by the Lord to bring a word to his fellow exiles, Um, the Lord's concluding thoughts to Ezekiel, um, and it's in Ezekiel 3.27, I don't have it on the screen, but God says this to Ezekiel, here's what I want you to say to everybody, whoever will listen, let them listen, whoever will refuse, let them refuse. Whoever has ears, let them hear, is Jesus' way of saying it's his job to speak the Lord's words. It's our job to listen to him and to obey. It's our job to hear him, receive them, and obey. Whoever has ears, let them hear, is Jesus telling his listeners to reflect deeply on his words, to, to slow down, to, to dwell in, in the words, to, to give our greatest attention to what he has just said. The one who has ears to hear doesn't just hear God's words, but they receive them. They receive them as truth and they put them in the practice. It's not about the size of your ears, whether you have big bunny ears, elephant ears, or Matt Yaunt ears. It's not about the size of your ears. It's about the, the posture of your heart. So how do we smell what God's cooking? How do we do that? How do we, how, how do we like, have ears that hear? How do we hear what God's saying so that we can put what he's saying into practice? How does God speak today? So I just want to quickly just kind of give you some examples of how God speaks today and then we're going to end by practicing that this morning together. So one of the primary ways um, and probably maybe the most obvious way that God speaks is through scripture. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul says this, all scripture, all of it, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture, this entire book, this this big story, it's one of the primary ways that God speaks to us. When we open the Bible, it's like God's opening his mouth and he's whispering to us through his word. If we're not in this we're going to struggle to have ears to hear. I mean, that, that's foundational. We, we need to be in this word. We need to, not just on Sundays. We need to, like, as a pattern, as a, as a, as a, just a, a practice, as a rhythm in, in your daily life, just to, to be in the word. That, that, that grows your, your ears, your spiritual ears. It shapes your ears. You know, for instance, like, uh, this, a week ago, I, I was reading the book of Ruth, Okay? A lot of us are familiar with the story of the book of Ruth. And it's a really short, you know, book in the Bible. And it's a, it's a great story. And, you know, you have um, Naomi and you have Ruth and you have Boaz. And Boaz is uh, like a, a kinsman redeemer. You know, he, he finds out that somebody in his family um, is struggling. And so he does something about it. And, and it's this cool story. But it really, God spoke to me. Through that story, and and started bringing to my mind and to my heart some people in my family um, who are struggling, and what does it look like for me to to be a a a kinsman redeemer in my family? What does it look like to to initiate with those people? You know, with uh, you know a, a sister, a father, whoever it is that you know God put someone very specific in my extended family on my heart as I was reading the Book of Ruth. God was speaking to me through the Scripture. In, in pointing me towards, you know, a step I think he wants me to take. And so now I'm in the process of taking that step and reaching out and, and trying to redeem a relationship. God, but if I wasn't reading the book, if I wasn't in here, I don't know if I would have caught that. I don't know if I would have, like, been sensitive to the Holy Spirit trying to speak to me through the Scripture. So the Scripture is obviously primary. That's one of the primary ways God speaks. It's not the only way that God speaks. I think God sometimes speaks through our desires, through our desires. Brendan did a great job preaching on Psalm 37 in our Psalm series back in August. But you remember this verse, Psalm 37:4, "Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart." Excuse me. Now, I, I, we got to be careful cuz the word give in Hebrew actually can mean to conceive. To conceive, delight in God, like read it this way. Delight yourself in the Lord And he will birth new desires in you. He will birth new desires in you. I think we have this mistaken notion that if we do what God wants us to do, God's probably gonna send us somewhere we don't wanna go. We're gonna have to do something we don't wanna do and we're probably gonna be miserable. That's not the heart of our father, you guys. It's not the heart of God. It's not how he works. Now, I agree, we gotta be careful because we have sinful desires We have selfish desires and, uh, you know, we we can't let them lead. But when we delight ourselves in the Lord, when when we immerse ourselves in relationship with God and we begin to try to, to seek first his kingdom, what happens, I think, is the Holy Spirit begins to sanctify our desires begins to align our desires with his desires and give us his desires, and we start to want what he wants. He gives us new desires so that those desires actually become sort of like compass points that point us towards God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, I I think about um, my daughter, JC, right? I've mentioned this in passing, but this Thursday, uh, Tori and I are going to get in a van and drive JC to Atlanta, where we're going to, she's going to join all kinds of other, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds, um, like your, Kaepenga's granddaughter, Hannah, and some others, you know, hundreds of others, and then they're going to divide up into squads and teams, and then they're going to go off on mission for nine months. It's called the world race, you know, gap year, and, uh, but I, I look back on her journey, and I'll talk more about this in, in our next series, more specifically, but just been watching her over the last year, especially even in the youth group, as as they, she's been delighting herself in the Lord, listening to the Lord together with other people. How God has birthed this desire in her. He he, he sort of like like birthed this this desire um, to to join him on mission, you know, uh, outside of West Michigan, and uh, how she's stepping into that. You know that that when we start to de- delight ourselves in the Lord, He births things in us. That aren't things like we don't want to do. They, they, they faint into flame like things we really want to do and be part of. It's really cool. I think another way God speaks to us is through dreams. Okay, in, in Acts, Luke says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And I would say your young men and young women will see visions. Your old men and women will dream dreams. It's kind of a helpful verse to, dec- to help you know if you're old or young. I mean, if you, are you having visions or are you having dreams? If you're having visions, you're still young. I think I'm starting to have dreams, so I, I'm classifying I'm probably getting towards the older, you know, older men and women kind of things. But when, when God fills us with his spirit, Dreams, I think, are just a, a supernatural byproduct of that. God wants to, He wants to anoint sort of our right brain imagination. He, he wants to give us God ideas, and God ideas are way better than just good ideas. God's very capable of working and speaking through all those neurons that crisscross in our brain because He created it. He, he spoke it all into he, he crafted, He made us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He can work through things like that. He can speak through things like that. And I'm not just talking the dreams you have like when you're sleeping. I mean, I don't know about you. Some people like remember their dreams all the time. I rarely remember my dreams. But sometimes I do. And and when I do, I pay attention to it because I wonder like, is, is God trying to get my attention? Is He speaking to me about something? I mean, I, I've had... I remember vividly, like, this was months and months ago, like, just waking up from a very scary dream, right? Like, sometimes we have those, and um, I think I even mentioned it on that Sunday morning, because I just really felt like I was in a season of just ex- maybe experiencing some spiritual attack. It was maybe, like, being played out in a, in a dream, and uh, I, I really, like, took that seriously, and, and tried to pray protection and cover over me, you know. There's sometimes I have dreams, I'll be honest, where um, like one of you will show up in my dream for no reason, you know, all of a sudden like you're, you're in my dream. I usually interpret that as like, I wonder if God's speaking to me. And, and so sometimes what I'll do is uh, I'll give that person a call or write a card or something like, hey, God put you on my heart. I don't know why. Like he just was thinking about you this week, you know, and just reach out. Sometimes it, it turns into something at the very least, someone knows they're being thought about, you know. But, uh, but, but I think it's not just the dreams we have when we sleep. Um, like sometimes God will birth it like a, a dream, you know, a dream for something while you're conscious, while you're awake. You know, he'll, he'll give you dreams for things. You know, I, I was talking, I'd be curious to hear this story, but um, before the, the gathering began, I was talking to private first class Tyler Tenbrink. He's back there in his Marine uniform. And uh, we haven't seen Tyler in a while, but he, I guess he just got back from boot camp. And uh, a week from today, he's flying out, you know, to, to begin the next season and stage of his service. I mean, I would love to hear Tyler's story sometime. It, it seems to me God has put a dream in Tyler's heart to be a Marine and to serve his country in this way. And uh, Tyler, we're really proud of you. And uh, if I could be so bold, like, I don't want to put you on the spot now, but after the gathering, would you mind coming over here to this corner. We call it the prayer corner. Let's have some people go over and pray for Tyler and pray around Tyler um, as, as he begins this next step of his season. Would that be okay, Tyler? We'll just meet you over there after the service. But um, God put a dream in you somehow, some way, and you're, you're living into it. You're paying attention to it. God, it's, it's cool, and I'm excited for you. And um, Man, I just gotta keep going. Another way that God speaks, Doors. Okay, we use this phrase all the time, don't we? Like open doors, closed doors. We really love open doors, you know, not so much closed doors. There's this passage I came across in Revelation. You know, this is, uh, you know, the the Spirit speaking, you know, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. um, Write these words. These are the words of him who's holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts... No one can open. I mean, there, there's this, I think God speaks to us sometimes through opportunities, through, through um, open doors and closed doors. And I think we need to be careful um, to not just assume it's just open doors that are God speaking and closed doors are not God speaking. Sometimes the best thing God can say to you is no. <laughs> no, don't go, th- I'm closing that door. I'm shutting down that opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm putting, you know, some blockage in that direction. Because he has a perspective that we don't. He sees the big picture in a way that we can't. I think someday we're probably going to thank God even more for the closed doors than just the open doors in our lives. But, but God speaks through opportunities that suddenly open up or opportunities we're stepping into that suddenly go away. Those are way, that's, I think that's a valid way that, that God speaks to us. I think God speaks to us through people through people there's this there's this little nugget of scripture here in numbers 11 it's kind of a crazy chapter it's it's about the quail you know when God just gives them quail coming out of their nostrils because they've been complaining and um but there's this there's this moment you know kind of in that part of the story where these two guys Eldad and Medad um they were prophesying Okay, they were prophesying and Joshua goes to Moses like, we gotta put a stop to this. These guys are prophesying. And, and this is what Moses said. I mean, are, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses is like, that would be great if God spoke through each other. If God spoke through everybody, that'd be awesome. And I, don't, you, don't you just have those times in your life where, where you, God speaks to you very um, clearly through other people? through other people, like in your life. I was sitting on the the deck last night um, up at Lake City at my parents' house on Lake Misaki. And you guys know the story. My stepdad, Jay, like had a catastrophic heart attack, you know, back in March. And uh, so we were just talking and reflecting, you know, he's alive and doing well, um, slowly healing. And uh, he was sharing about how he received a card, actually like two or three cards during the recovery journey um, from Tori's aunt, who he had only met once, and how those cards spoke so powerfully to him. Like just, like, it's almost like the stuff she wrote in the card was like exactly what he needed to hear in that moment of the journey. And so he would keep those cards, like in the book he was reading, and he would read those cards every morning. Don't discount the power of how God speaks to us through each other. It's all, in this, it's all throughout the scriptures. I mean, think back of how, Navi, how Nathan rebuked David after his sin with Bathsheba. You know, God used Nathan to speak to King David. God used Mordecai, right, to encourage and challenge, you know, a young woman named Esther. God used a spiritual father named Paul to influence and, and direct the life of young Timothy. God wants to speak to us Through others. Another way that God speaks, he speaks through promptings. He speaks through promptings. In in Isaiah chapter 30, um, Isaiah is encouraging the people of Zion who are living in Jerusalem. He says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walked in it. This is like those, those, those little stirrings you get sometimes, those little nudges. Th- those promptings that that come from time to time. I mean, uh, I, I remember, and I, I know I've shared this before, but like a, this was years ago, like one time pulling back into the parking lot, you know, I'd probably been out to lunch somewhere with somebody because that's what I do. And um, that's what my kids used to think, that is that all you do? Like, right, you just you go out to lunch all week and then you preach on Sunday, you know. But um, pulling back into the parking lot, seeing a vehicle in the parking lot back towards the, the outer edge, seeing like a young person in there, sort of, you could tell, looked dejected. I start walking towards the building and, and like this prompting, there's this conviction, this nudging came over me like, turn around. It's like this, it's like this voice behind me saying, you know, like, don't go this way, go this way. And walk back out and ended up engaging this young man in a conversation, inviting him in. And um, you might hear the rest of the story from him uh, later this month. As he might be up here getting baptized, and it's just this cool journey of like like how I played you know this teeny teeny little part in a story, um because thank God I paid attention to a prompting to a nudging god, God was up to something, he had a part for me to play a little teeny part, um but I'm glad I didn't miss it, you know, pay attention to the promptings, pay attention to the nudgings in our lives, and then you know. This is just another one. Like, this isn't an exhaustive list. This is just some, I'm just trying to like get us to kind of think bigger. You know, kind of stimulate our imagination. Like, God speaks in so many ways if we'll just listen. He speaks through our pain. He speaks through our pain. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. And there's this famous quote in there. It goes like this. It says, pain insists upon being attended to. Then listen to this part. God whispers to us in our pleasures, he speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God shouts in our pain. Some of some of you like know that all too well lately, don't you? There's something about going through pain and brokenness and valley and wilderness and desert, use whatever metaphor you want, but there's something about those types of experiences that, that sometimes brings God's voice into great clarity. And sometimes we, we learn our best stuff in the valleys. We learn our best stuff about who God is, about who we are. You know, I, I, got a, I saw last night um, on Facebook, That uh, you guys know the doctor family, Todd and Sheila, doctor, they're not here this morning. I don't think they're here this morning, but Todd's father, Randy, passed away yesterday. So let's remember them. They're going through pain right now. Um, But I also uh, rejoice in that I know God's going to speak to them in in some fresh ways, in some new ways, even in the midst of the pain. And, uh, you know, maybe God will speak through us as we interact with them as they journey you know, through the pain. pain. Pain's a byproduct of the curse. We, we can't escape it, can't avoid it. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, ever since Genesis 3, it's been part of the story. Now the day is coming when it will no longer be part of the story, where there'll be no more mourning, there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more pain, Revelation 20. In the meantime, God's present and he's speaking in the midst of our pain. You know, someone said once that, that pain is like a marriage counselor, a life coach, a professor of theology. Like, like pain can speak to us. God can speak to us in pain, teaches us some of the toughest but most important lessons in life. So, all this to say that, that God, our good shepherd, is speaking. He's speaking to us. Question is. Are we listening? Are we listening? How do you listen? Are we listening? Here's two things I want to offer us before we just put this into practice this morning. We won't hear God if we don't slow down. We won't hear God if we don't slow down to listen. I was reading a story this week about some European missionaries who went to Africa and they hired some of the locals you know, some of the the local tribes people to guide them to where they wanted to go. But as often happens when Westerners go into other cultures, uh, the the guides went at a slower pace than what the missionaries wanted to go. Kind of frustrating for the missionaries. So after the first two days of this, the missionaries really pushed the pace. And And on the third day, they went twice as fast and went twice as far as they did on the second day. The missionaries were thrilled. I mean, they're they're, they're excited, like we're getting somewhere with the progress. But on the fourth day, the story goes, the guides refused to break camp. The missionaries asked them what was wrong. And this is what the guide said back to the missionaries. We went so quickly yesterday that we must wait here for our souls to catch up with us. I love that phrase. Some of us need to pause to let our souls catch up to us this guy included, we can get, we, we can get into such a fast pace of life that our, our souls are dragging behind. And it's hard to hear from God then. We won't hear from God if we don't slow down. We won't hear from God if we don't quiet down. If we don't quiet down. This is interesting. This is, then, then we're going to be done. But um, I came across this. For, for the past 30 years, there's an acoustic ecologist. His name is Gordon Hempton. Anyone ever heard of him? Good, because I had neither. Uh, he compiles what he calls the list of the last great quiet places. And it consists of places with at least 15 minutes of uninterrupted quiet during daylight hours. So places where for at least 15 minutes, it's quiet. Uninterrupted quiet. At last count, there were 12 quiet places in the entire United States. And we wonder why our our souls suffer. We wonder why we have a hard time hearing from the Lord. Hempton says that quiet is the think tank of the soul. Simply put, God speaks loudest when we're quietest. When's the last time you slowed down and were quiet and said, Lord, speak? You guys remember Henry Nowen? He's a good guy. He he wrote some great stuff. Henry Nowen said that silence is an act of war against the competing voices within us and around us. Who here needs to go to war with the competing voices in their lives this morning? He goes on, when you listen with great attentiveness to the voice that calls you beloved, that was an affectionate phrase of his, beloved. When, when you tune in to the voice that calls you beloved, you discover within yourself a desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply. So here's my prayer for us this morning. That we would, before we leave here this morning, even for a few minutes, that we would experience being still and knowing that he is God. That we would experience like let's slow down and quiet down And see what God has to say to us this morning. We're just going to do a simple exercise to practice that. What would it look like to slow down, to quiet down, and say, Lord, speak. For your servant is listening. So this is where you maybe need your handout or something to write on. You can do this mentally as well. Um, Brendan's going to come up and uh, just do his thing on the guitar. Give us a little music. And uh, I just want to use an exercise this morning that that Brendan actually kind of came up with that he uses in some of his coaching and discipleship, you know, um, with some of you. And uh, it's an acronym, and it's called SWIFT. So if you have your handout, we actually put the letters right there. You can finish the words. S is Scripture. W is Word. Word. I is image, F is face, T is thought. Maybe write that down on your handout or somewhere. And uh, here's what we're going to do. Brennan's going to play some music, so it won't be absolutely silent. But we're going to be still. And I'm just going to guide us through this. You know, we're just going to take like 30 seconds, maybe a minute, you know, uh, on each one. I'm just going to ask, like, for instance, Scripture, you know, Lord, you have a scripture for me this morning. And just let your mind just be still. And if uh, a verse or a phrase or, you know, a reference comes to mind, just write it down. If nothing comes to mind, no worries. No worries. We're just going to give God a chance to speak. We're going to try to posture ourselves to listen this morning. Okay? So, Lord, I'm just going to pray for all of us right now. Again, the simple prayer that Eli told Samuel to say to God Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So I just ask you right now, Lord, if you have a a scripture or a truth that you want us to receive right now, would you bring it to our hearts? Would you put it on our minds? you plant it somewhere in us bring it to the surface we're listening you have us you want to speak to us through a scripture this morning God, you're the good shepherd, and you speak, and your sheep know your voice. Lord, do you have a word or a phrase that you want to give to us this morning, personally, individually? Plant it in our minds, on our hearts right now. What is a word you have for us this morning? As we move through this, if, if, if something pops up, just write it down. Don't, don't overthink it. How about an image? Sometimes the Lord speaks that way. Like, like Do you have a picture or an image that, that you wanna, want us to receive from you this morning? Lord, speak, for your servants are listening. face Lord, is, is there someone you want us to pay attention to is there is someone you want us to to pray for is, is there someone you want us to we don't know like if there's somebody you want to put in front of us right now bring that face to mind And lastly, Lord, uh, if you have a thought or a feeling that you want to speak to us through right now, that you want to bubble up or bring to our attention or make us aware of, and we just, we pay attention to that right now we receive it. Brendan's going to keep playing. I'm going to invite the, the rest of the band to come up. But, you know, let me push us in this direction now. Because for some of you, that might have come very naturally. For others, that may be like, that was weird. You know, for some of us, that might be the, the first time we've spent five minutes just kind of quiet in a long time. But for wh- whoever you are, whichever one of those scenarios describes you, like, like okay, now What? How do I know if these are from God or not? Like, how do I know it's not just my imagination? How do I know it's not just my mind, you know, restless? How do I know it's not just, uh, you know, that burrito I ate last night, you know, like doing something to me? Like, how do I know? Like, well, that's a good question. I think that's a fair question. I, I think, you know, there's lots of voices trying to speak to us in our lives, you know, um, there's the shepherd's voice, God's voice, the good father's voice. Um, the enemy has a voice too. He likes to like accuse us of things and lie to us, and like we got to discern the voice. So here's just a simple way sometimes to, to, to process that. You know, if you're around Victory Point at all, you know in our discipleship we like to teach through shapes, like just visual reminders. And so I offer you a triangle this morning. You know, John ten twenty seven. A good shepherd speaks, the sheep know his voice. Our job is to listen, to test it or to weigh it and, and then discern what's from the Lord and then act on it and then obey. And a good way to test these words is just to kind of run it through this little acronym of test. You know, is what I think might be from the Lord, does it, does it point me towards Christ? Is it encouraging or edifying is it scriptural? You know, anything God speaks to us through dreams, through images, through feelings, through promptings, whatever, will never contradict, you know, the heart of God in scripture. And, and does it lead towards transformation into Christ's likeness So, like, if you were to take that test and put it over those words or phrases or faces or people that you just, you know, um, wrote down, either mentally or on your paper, like, which ones kind of, do those apply to? And if they do, like if if something that in that swift exercise like passes this test, I wanna invite you to receive that as a word from the Lord this morning. That God the Father is speaking to you this morning and he has something for you. He wants something he wants you to know or be reminded of. He's inviting you into something. Your job, it's... It's Jesus's job. It's the Spirit's job to speak it. It's our job to receive it, to listen to it, to act on it now. To smell what he's cooking. You know, to let whoever has ears, let them hear. So I just, I offer that to you this morning. Um, I offer this exercise to you as something that you can do on your own. And I also offer to you this morning whatever it is the Lord gave to you to receive that from him this morning And to put it into practice. like What's what's one action step you can take in response to maybe how God's speaking to you this morning? What's one expression of faith in response that that you can step out on this week? Today even. That's how you grow as a disciple. What's God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? Stand and let's sing. Lord, thanks for speaking to us this morning. We receive what you're saying. Give us the courage to step out on it now. Thank you for the, the truths that you just reminded us of. Thank you for the words of maybe of identity you've given us, the invitation to minister, to serve. Um, whatever it is you, you've given us, Lord, it's, if it's of you, it's good and it's right. And we can stand on it with faith and with confidence. Now give us the courage to actually do that. In your name we pray, amen.